Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf, live from the Northern Snooker Centre in Leeds. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, I have to say, congratulations to you. You are the champion again. You won the Tony Mio Trophy 4-3 this time, even closer, went all the way. And, well, all I can say is I know how Sean Murphy feels now. Bit tongue-in-cheek, his game more important than this, of course. But same principle, I've still come second in the two-horse race and now I've got to record a podcast. But it'll only take me about 11 months and three weeks to get over it. That'll be fine, but the main line is... Congratulations to you, sir. That's very kind. Uh, to be fair, yours could be worse because Sean didn't have to do a podcast with Gary Wilson immediately after it. He lost on that final black, so uh, it's arguably his worst. But no, that's very kind of you. It was a good, ma- good match. Uh, went to the decider, the last few balls of the decider, and just got, just about got over the line. But yeah, what a setting here. It's the first time we've been here, isn't it? And uh, it's a very famous place. We've spoken about it quite a lot on the pod before, but um, lived up to the expectation. It's uh, it's amazing, really. Great setting. So, yeah, no, loved it. And uh, I'll treasure the trophy for another 12 months. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a, it's a smashing place. I mean, we just chatted to Peter Lyons, haven't mm. we, actually? We'll say more about that in a, in a little while. And, but there are, you know, various very, very good players knocking about here, pros as well. And we have another voice for you here uh, for this new episode. The man that kindly refereed uh, this uh, latest edition of the Tony Mio uh, trophy, and that's Dave Tyndall. Now, Dave, you're you're two thirds of the way to the triple crown now. Because of course, you're semi regular on snooker scene. Now you're joining us, and uh, we say thank you for refereeing. Well, no, honour to be here. It was great, great fun actually. Um, I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> refereed a match, um, but yeah, it was a, a, a kind of call it a classic. You can call it that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, um, I suppose, when I saw the cue actions, I made Phil quite a strong favourite. <laughs> but there was kind of an enjoyable nonchalance about you, Nick, the way you just <laughs> knocked balls in without really thinking about it. 
like you've got like a good a good eye, I would say. Yeah. Um, you, you're never going to sort of paralysis by analysis. You just get down, hit it. It's quite an interesting technique. But yeah, I thought the I thought we were destined for I don't, I don't want to overplay it, but <laughs> 1985. I thought this was going to go to a black ball. And it's quite a fight, but I, mean, you, you, I know you're gutted. You genuinely are gutted, Nick. Oh, I know oh. you, you are gutted. Yeah, I am. You, you could see his face. Yeah. But Phil had a, a pot, had a black for four-one, and that would that have been worse? Oh, surely. I sort of forgotten. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Half, I half, I half had forgotten that went to a black ball. Um, yeah. The I'd way say, you I'd, rallied. I'd, I'd say two or three of our frames really were very good, weren't yeah. they? Mm. Went all the way, and yeah. You're right to say I play quite quickly. I, I like to sort of see the shot quickly type thing, but then people will say I, I play too quickly. So I think I've got to try and maybe um, sort of look at that. They look, look great when you, they go you in. Don't, <laughs> you don't want to knock that natural <laughs> potting ability out. You'd have, thought, you'd have thought I won. They're just being so, kind here, folks. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, was, it was great, and um, I was quite pleased with my refereeing performance. I have to say. It was very nice having some hand and along cues and hand stuff. Hand and cues out. I didn't miss score. I didn't say who broke then. I've forgotten. Yeah. Um, I'm I always d- bad for forgetting yeah. who's on top and who's on the bottom of the score. I didn't score sp- spill anything. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> it was about it was about four hours at the end, wasn't it? I think of getting on that way. But to be fair, we played an extra frame this time. I thought the standard was better. It was a scrappy start, definitely. But um, I had to say, of course. It, it was about as topical as you might have imagined at times. There was talk of the ITV7, wasn't there? <laughs> Dave and switching coverage from gymnastics on World of Sport to this match. So that was about, when, yeah, when that was about as 2022 as we got. Yeah, when it got a little bit scrappy, there was there were calls for cut to the wrestling. That's how Big Daddy Haystacks. With Kent, with, with Kent Walton. Yeah. But, a word about that fluke, Phil, that put you two one up. That was that was monstrous. <laughs> it was absolutely hideous. I mean, it was in my favour, so I'm not complaining. But it's one of those you feel very embarrassed on the final black of the third frame. And I went for. I mean, it wasn't even that thin, but I tried a thin pot, missed the black entirely, came off the cushion, and it rolled rolled back into the middle bag. Um, and it's one where you just put your head down and sheepishly sort of nod. <laughs> so, but that was for two one, and then it, we had an interval, didn't we? Where um, we had a cup of tea, or whatever. And then in the fourth frame, Phil came out guns blazing, had breaks of 16, 15 and 15. <laughs> Which three, is, is big at this standard, let's be clear. You know, three scoring visits virtually did the frame, oh. didn't it, basically? And he, he won that frame 71-17. And, and you're thinking, this is, this is 4-1. And then he had, he had a black, didn't he, along the black cushion. Mm. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Tough one, because I think the white was quite near the cushion. Um, and from there, Nick, you, you just... Well, rallied and never say die attitude. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't dissimilar to last year in the sense that Phil came out after we sort of had a break, absolutely playing brilliant. I mean, you did blitz me off the table that frame. That was by mile. I mean, you called it a purple patch, and I, I must admit, I thought you're just going to play this all the way now. But you didn't actually. That really no, was a purple it patch. Comes you, and goes. You, 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 <laughs> but you, you were brilliant in that frame. And if it was like that throughout, I'd have had almost no chance. But, but you, in in frames five and six, Nick, you you scored sixty six and sixty two points respectively. That's a pretty good score. I think Phil making away a few more foul points than me. But I did play. I did play quite well, and I think I am gutted. But I think it's it's redoubling my efforts. Got to play a bit more next year. 
I've got to come back and try and win it. I don't want to be a Jimmy. I don't, I don't want to be a Jimmy where I just can never win it. He's beginning to annoy me. But then Jimmy takes it well, doesn't he? He does, He's yeah. lost all those world finals and, you know, he, he's breezy about it. A nod to Jimmy as well. There's artwork all around the tables here, which you'll see if you follow us on Twitter. But I'll post the Jimmy one specifically because it's very, very odd. There's all sorts of predictable poses from a lot of the big famous names on the, on the wall. But the Jimmy one, how they come to choose that angle and pose from Jimmy, I'm not quite sure. But it was keeping me entertained, just always looking up there during the game, to be honest. It's like he's gone from massive screw shot, missed it, and then the, <laughs> his key pointing to the ceiling. It's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. It's something a bit different, but yeah, the spirit of Jimmy was in there. But um, no, it was good. I thought the, the tension, I think that's the most tense I've ever felt in a, oh. in a frame at the end. The, the, the kind of banter and the chat just went in yeah. that last frame. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's a little bit like when I play to all the other people there's an awful lot of commentary during it we, we all seem to do it instinctively don't we if it, if it's where the cue ball going yeah. or you know the things that happen on the 12 per 6 so we're saying this mm. phrases aren't we yeah, second little, prize little, <laughs> little bit of tension in the arm I had a little bit of tension in the arm more than once I can tell you as Dennis Taylor Dennis Taylor blames everything on that doesn't he at a particular stage of the match always a bit of tension in the arm Dennis bless him but no it, it, it was Exciting! It went all the way, and I do take solace from from pushing you a bit harder this year. And I think you know, uh, there's not beyond the realms of possibility that I will get my hands on on the, on not this now precious piece of uh, of equipment yeah. one day. Just, You're looking at their their day. Yeah. Just to say, we have lost the queue, unfortunately, yeah. in a Phil House move. I'm slightly concerned about what could be gone by next year. You can't afford to lose much more. I don't want the head to go or anything, but. I think the rest of them will stay intact. It doesn't look particularly like Tony Mayo, does it? <laughs> like Nigel Havers, I think. <laughs> oh, another one for the teenagers, yeah. folks. <laughs> Havers, brilliant. I thought if, so, it, if it was a Tony Mayo, it would have a little middle finger that moved up and down when he was potting. That would be a nice addition. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a sec, we've had Dickie Davis, Kent Walton, Haystacks, I think Haystack, we had a bit yeah. of the Big Daddy. <laughs> Mio, uh, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we're well, now Havers. It was a big star in what about about forty years ago. It's good stuff. It really, Dave. We want to hear a little bit more about this club actually from you because you play here all the time, don't you? And it, we know the Lions play here, Sanderson Lam plays here, but various, you know, good, good, good players. You you get to know them, don't you? And David Grace, David of course, Grace, our friend, yeah. Yeah. is a regular. Sorry to miss David today. He's uh, yeah, got quite a good excuse, hasn't he? He's well, playing in a ranking yeah, tournament. That's yeah, not that's probably a bit more important. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it on a sort of very regular basis, and it's it's a smashing place, isn't it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's so lucky just to be um, on my doorstep. Really, um, I didn't kind of realise. I, I I think when I, I first played here when I was a student ages ago, and I just thought maybe every every town has a club like yeah. this with all its history, but suddenly started to realise, probably through listening to podcasts, that, wow, this is quite special, isn't it? And then, I think when I first came around, I, I kind of saw guys on the other table and thought, they're good, aren't they? But I don't know who they are, but as I've got back into snooker in the last three or four years, it's like, wow, there's Sanderson Man, isn't it? you know, it's all players I've seen on the telly and everything. And David, yeah, David Grace, I did chat to him uh, quite quite a lot, and, and he, he was... He was kind of there when I made my sort of hundred break. Mm. So I've been trying to do since I was a kid. And then I rolled in a blue and thought, I need to celebrate with someone. <laughs> so I ran over to Dave and said, I've done it, I've made hundred. He shook my hand. So quite a memorable moment. 
It's brilliant uh, stuff for snooker fans, isn't it? That I mean, if you're a big snooker fan and you recognise these guys, it's very cool that you can just go and play on the same table and have a chat. Yeah, because they're literally well. like a table away yeah. from me. So sometimes I just stop and you know, if I'm having a bit of poor run, just look at what they're doing, their technique, head down, just striking the ball smoothly. So mm. very, very lucky to have this so close. Really am. I think it might have been David when he was on Los Anderson I spoke to him before said the same thing that this is the first club they ever played in when they were a kid mm. and just assume they're all like this but they're really not it's quite something special really and there's kind of, it's, I don't know there's something that's sort of enjoyable it's like old fashioned but it's kind of well, how would you phrase it it's kind of vintage I don't know it's it, just it's definitely from the old school yeah. no, no question about that yeah. it's got a sort of um, the, the glass work isn't it that makes yeah, me think, think about they, the coloured glass in David the did that roof this Something to do with that roof, I think. Oh, see that? Really? It's like yeah. a pane glass that like belongs on a church. It looks like yeah, it belongs yeah, in York yeah. Minster, not uh, <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, a normal snooker yeah. centre. So, because the roof's very low, it's very sort of, I don't know, it's just it very. Is. It, 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 it's definitely something from the 70s and 80s in, yeah. a, in a kind yeah, of way, in a, in, a, in a very nice, comforting, yeah. old school way. And of course, we say it time and time again, but the, the pros, you know, we obviously just met Peter there. They're not the big I am, are they? That's not the way they act, really. They're not just very no. down to earth, yeah. normal guys, and that's the beauty of this sport, isn't it? Oh, people wander in and just have a chat, say like, hi, Peter. Peter tends to, maybe he's like the kingfish down here. He's, <laughs> he's the one who, you know, seems to hold court quite a lot, and rightfully so. All he's done. Um, so yeah, it's great. You can always have a chat with them, um, just about this and that. If, if one maybe has done well. In a re- I remember when Daniel did well in the um, in the shootout. Oh, remember yes, that? Yeah, yeah. I remember coming down the next day. Oh, well done! It was all all very nice. So yeah, great, absolutely golden place. It's we're really, really lucky to be here. And you know, if, if people want to come, it's ten minutes from the lead station. Mm. Easy to get to. So and good value. I mean, when, last time we well, played was down in Tooting, and uh, oh right, we, very just, different. London's yeah, obviously yeah, more yeah. expensive but like when we've been playing for a long time and you were playing a bit before when we just got the, the table bill it was a lot less than I was expecting so yeah for the, for the setting and the experience I think it's all very good value yeah when I when I sometimes practice on my own it's half price and playing on your own mm. as well so it's a, oh, wow. a bargain well let's just say it was £32 wasn't it I mean that is well I've been it and that was charging from 10 in the morning and we're now yeah Eight hours on. Yeah, it's very. I mean, that is absolutely. I have to say, you know, it's a bit of a cliche to talk about the north-south divide. It used to be very dramatic in terms of pints. I'm not sure what it is now, but it's still prevalent in Sanuka probably because mm. I tell you what, Phil, we talk about tooting, but it's even more in Kings Cross. It would be at least double that when it there, wouldn't it? If not, if not the rest. Yeah, I'm not sure if I was talking about on the pod or on Twitter or something, but last time I wanted to play with a mate down there, we ended up going to play in Catford because it was half the price, but. Yeah, 32 quid would get you two hours on a, on a table in the middle of London compared and to whatever yeah. we just had eight hours then, which is crazy. And obviously some of these tables, they were used in the World Championship final, you know, they've been rebuilt here. Mm. So the standard, the quality of the tables is tremendous. Um, I mean, the, I guess the one we played on, number 26, um, it played pretty well, didn't it? I think yeah, it certainly. It wasn't using that as an excuse. Yeah. There was lots of other excuses to use, but <laughs> it wasn't the table. Um, we were overlooked by Bill Maynard to keep the old school theme uh, running, of course. It reminded me of Green Grass and a Heartbeat and all those uh, Sunday nights of w- w- yeah. watching that over the years. Bill Maynard and Alex Higgins were the, were the people overlooking it. There was a pro am on ITV in the 70s and they were the stars of it, held here. 
that's why you get you think oh, what's Bill Maynard doing on the wall <laughs> but yeah um, I think yeah. he used to pop up in the in the Fred Truman the indoor league indoor league yeah. didn't he I think yeah. he was a big part of that at times of course but um, we are going to update the, the act a little bit soon, aren't we, for to move it on. But, we'll but g- genuinely, uh, Dave, we, we, we have loved your company, haven't we? You've been a, you've been a very good referee. But it didn't it, it, tell you what, for you say we get used to it, but you actually forgot at times. I was taking my own colours off. You know, Dave, no, come on, I'll, I'll go yeah. and do a good job. It's, yeah. it's good to have a referee. It's quite a nice sort of luxury, isn't it? And, yeah, uh, well, you have and to concentrate. A new respect for referees, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, oh. Because you think, I've got to move out a line of his shot and then... Um, there was never too much danger of you losing count of the breaks or anything there. <laughs> we didn't make that too difficult on that front. Possibly. <laughs> you said that, not me. Yeah. But, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll let you show off, Dave. I know you've got various uh, writing jobs to do this evening, but you, yeah, like, like you're a snooker fanatic, aren't you? Uh, we know you from listening to yeah, I know you're, Dave Hendon, and you, but you love this game. I think you've had a resurgence of love in, in, in recent times. You, we love your diaries of the past in the 80s that you've talked to Dave about. I mean, you you, you sort of a, a proper aficionado, and as you've already said with your centuries, you're a good player, not like mm. us two. You are good. Well, I wasn't very good just then when we were playing. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Still beat me comfortably in a frame. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was my sport when I was a kid, when I was like, 12 and stuff. I went to the Crucible when I was 12. Um, and yeah, fell in love with it, and then just I don't know. I, I I got back into it during lockdown, and now I'm, I'm down here once a week, sometimes twice, like a second home now, um, and just just getting that knowledge back again. And I mean, they, like a few years ago, how could I imagine being sat here refereeing a game between you two? It's just mad, really. But. But yeah, no. What what a game! You, I mean, you're going to go on and talk about Hong Kong, but I think I I don't think I missed a ball of that. I thought mm, it was yeah. incredible, yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah, the, the lockdown resurgence of getting back into the game. Did that have it to do with it getting back in in the Championship League, and you were watching that, or is it just something to watch while you had nothing much to do? Because I'm a sports writer, sports stopped, didn't it? Yeah. And I suddenly had no work, and I was a bit worried about. Like mental health issues, what am I going to do? Because I'd just be stuck in doing nothing. Yeah. So I, I, I went on the internet and ordered a, um, well, I tried to order a 6x3, but they'd run out. I think everyone had had the same idea to yeah, get a snooker there. table, a 6x3. Um, now, this guy in Burnley, he's got a shop in Burnley, who'd, um, and that's the install the 6x3 in Danny Ng's house. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> when he played there, I said, have you got anything? And he went, oh, I think I've got one out the back. Oh. So he delivered it. Um, but I think it's quite a common story. I've, I've heard other people say in lockdown, you, it's like you go back to sort of happy, safe childhood space. And that, for me, that was playing snooker on a 6x3. And um, yeah, but after a while you realise, God, it's tiny though, isn't it? <laughs> and then you come in and the table seems like, 30 foot kind of long and wide I've always wondered that obviously it must help in general cue action but yeah. how much how much help is it to get good on that when you move on to the big table I think it definitely helps yeah. you, you, you have to control the white quite tightly so right, you have to pinch yeah. it and little screw shots and everything so yeah it's, a, it's definitely a, a gateway yeah, to, yeah. to playing on bigger tables but that's oh, yeah. like the classic story of when a lot of big players like Stephen Hendry wasn't it yes that's started right, on yeah. that so you don't hear it so much now. You just don't see them for sale that much, like your story suggests. The harder than you think. I think Riley do one, but you have to. It's like a three-in-one where it's it's like, um, 
a dartboard and a table tennis table. Oh. I don't want that bit. Yeah. I just want the snooker table. But yeah, you'd think they were. I don't know, back in the day, they were easy to find six by threes, but it's a bit of a job to get one nowadays. But oh, yeah, that story, I think that Henry story is one you saw it in, uh, in a shop window. Then his shop window, yeah, yeah and just start. Oh, I'm not sure what shop window you'd see it in now, but yeah, hopefully it'd be great to see it more because then you'd get more stories like that. Hopefully. Stephen Henry's book, by the way, is a great read. I know I'm drifting off here. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a great. At the end of each chapter, there's like a top five of stuff, like his yeah. favourite sweets. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> 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 Interesting edition, yeah. It's Look, I mean, you, do you guys know know him quite well now, or is he still a little bit? Oh, I couldn't say that. I no, couldn't say Henry. that. I spoke to him a few times, but so I wouldn't say know him quite well now. But no, he's a, I, certainly. I'd heard intimidating stories about interviewing him after matches, and he's never been bad on this sort of second coming. Uh, probably because he's got a whole different attitude, but uh, uh, he's always been absolutely fine to talk to. Um, but no, I wouldn't go as far as knowing quite well. But it's funny, you know, it, I'd almost say Henry's got more of a sort of, uh, not a kind of glow, but he's almost got that, I'm Stephen Henry more than anybody else has. There's still a little sort of gravitas about him when you see him, you think, goodness, he's got that something special you know, about him. It, I've heard Nick say gravitas live on a <laughs> Even more, even more than Ronnie, maybe. Because Ronnie, Ronnie is an incredible character and got that. But I don't know, there's something, there's just something about Henry when you see him about the place. Maybe, I don't know, he has that bit of distance at times. He just has that kind of something a bit special about him, I think. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, maybe it's because we just haven't seen him. Like when I, I mean, I, I started doing this job and he, I had no expectation of ever sort of interviewing him as a player um, so yeah so that felt quite weird but Ronnie does have that there's something about so I spoke to them all quite a lot so it's not too bad but um, there's, there's something about Ronnie where he's sort of slightly on edge you don't really you, don't, yeah. you extra don't want to say something daft when you're asking him in a press, in a press conference or something um, but yeah no Henry certainly still has a, an air about him it's, it's, it's funny I I'm, I love Stephen Henry now I think he's just great I love his commentary mm. as a player I, I really didn't like the guy. Yeah, I think because he kept denying Jimmy all the time, <laughs> and I've never, yeah. I've never yeah. felt so certain that he was never going to miss. Even with Ronnie, I, I think oh, Ronnie might just yes. miss. No. With Henry, he is not going to miss a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never. Even oh. when that time he broke his arm, I could not believe that he still, still yeah. won it. You're right. Yeah, when he was in, never going to miss. I've never had that feeling about a snooker play before than. Stephen Henley, and I think because he's a similar age to me, I think it maybe that's why I fell in love with it because he was so good. It reminded me that I was no good. <laughs> yeah. it's like, wow, just look at him, he's just taken off and he's off the scale. Yeah, wasn't it? With the dominant side, I suppose, like, I don't know, sometimes you appreciate these big stars more when they fade, don't you? Because I think so. when they're just winning all the time, like Tiger Woods, you kind of see that they are. You know they do have frailties. So yeah, Stephen Andrew now I just think he's a, he likes good music or likes the music I like. Yeah, he just seems a a great sort of big snooker man. Yeah, he likes a cigar, likes a glass of red wine. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I've rattled on a bit. Here. I think no, it's fair. And I think it's a, maybe the way of saying it's actually I've been to the Grove a couple of times and spent a little bit of time with Ronnie. But I just I probably haven't quite had that thing with Henry. So maybe it's maybe it's more to do with that. But you're right, they certainly both. 
uh, have that sort of you know air, air about them. Yeah, David, we probably are going to let you go, sir. Have a great evening. It's been great to see you. And, and you, yeah. Th thank you for the refereeing. It was a fantastic game, it really was. Um, almost to the final black. The final blue is pretty good, though, isn't it? I'll take I mean, I was fine yeah. for it to end there. <laughs> yeah. um, next year? Are you, are you, is this like on tour? Are you in, well, next one in Scotland or Hong Kong? Or? <laughs> I think I think we like to I think we like to have a theme, don't we? That's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Tony Mio and Jimmy White last year with the tooting element. Yeah. Uh, now a very very special place for the game. I think lots of pros here. Uh, yourself, Dave, can referee, of course. Um, next time, I'm not quite sure. We'll, 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 have, have, a we'll have a year to think about it, but. It could well come back here, but we'll see, yeah. There might be some... People have to put their bids in, maybe, for next year. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, genuinely, we'll, we'll, we got the, we're going to put the frame scores up for you on, on Twitter as well, and so you, you can see those. But, but Phil's the winner today, 4-3. Uh, we say thanks to you, Dave, for refereeing. Yeah, it was an honour, thank you. I, uh, great to get that front box office front seat uh, into the action. And, yeah, it was... Just interesting because obviously we're all jovial now, but at the time ooh, there were game oh, yes. faces on. Oh, yeah, really serious. Were. Yeah, it definitely was serious. Yes, yeah. That last frame, it was. Oh. It felt like the old place got went quite quiet. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't just as it felt like. Yeah. Bill, yeah. Bill <laughs> peeping around the corner. <laughs> exactly. And another, uh, another good reference there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the but, teenagers. But it was, uh, yeah. I'm, if you see my Twitter, I'm sorry about the bad language. Very unlike me, I'm not a rude words person, but I couldn't resist the gag when uh, a chap was very interesting to watch, actually, wasn't yeah. it? He was putting a new table together. And it suddenly seemed like, oh, he's a, we were joking, saying he's a bloody long way away here. And before you knew it, he had the cloth all smoothed around. It was a, it was a real sort of work of art there, but I managed to get a, 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 a mimic of that Jimmy White phrase yeah. not so long ago, Phil. But that, that was great to see. And also, let's say, Phil, pretty busy here isn't it it's a Monday a lot of people playing enjoying the game and that's good to see yeah I thought so and Dave says it, that's actually wasn't especially busy for here so that's good news that um, yeah, middle of the day on a Monday there were plenty of people in uh, in playing pool playing snooker so yeah that was good stuff and yeah it was really interesting to see behind the scenes things um, people putting new cloths on taking uh, cushions off and stuff you just don't you know it's not something you see on the telly um, so yeah he was hard at work the whole time we were playing really it was quite it was quite fascinating um, it's a good, yeah. good test of your mental strength, wasn't it, with a drilling <laughs> going on all the time. But I, don't, I don't think, there was no particular shot where he drilled just as you were about to kill. No, 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 not no. at all. You, you concentrate pretty well there. <laughs> could have been off put. could have been an excuse for, for a lesser man, he might have used that as an excuse, <laughs> but not you, Nick. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Shall we switch from the Northern Snooker Centre to the Hong Kong Coliseum? We're flexible enough to do that on this podcast, Phil. <laughs> and maybe we should do that because I'll tell you what, we have seen a mighty few days of action, haven't we, in Hong Kong. It really has been a, a special... If we had to keep our feet on the ground, Phil, with recent editions of the, Mar of the Masters, we're having to get you know, nails in to, to keep them there this time because we're all getting carried away. I mean, goodness me, those crowds, 9,000 for the finals, 7,500 for one of the semi-finals. It really was um, quite a spectacle. And honestly, I know we hype things like, oh, never seen this or never seen that. We have never seen scenes <laughs> quite like that in this sport. Yeah, genuinely, it was uh, it was amazing. It was the hype. We'd been speaking about it for ages, haven't we? And then you started seeing videos trickling through on social media, the players sort of having a wander around. 
in the arena and then that opening day, sort of the, the crowds. It was hard to tell because there were loads of empty seats, but there were still enormous crowds. You know, there were still more people in a World Championship match there, even though it looked almost empty. And then, yeah, the atmosphere by um, really Ronnie and Onyi when they played in their, their quarter-final there onwards was just absolutely incredible. And just, you know, it shows what snooker can do. We've had two or three years of a lot of behind closed doors and then sort of quiet tournaments, a lot of milk keens. Um, and nothing like what we just saw over the weekend. So, yeah, um, amazing and sort of hopefully sort of broadens the horizons to what can come in the future because uh, we want to see more stuff like that. Hopefully. Can, I, can I ask a question? I'm still here, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil bought me a Coke. I thought I might as well drink it. Um, how would crowds be in like a norm, whatever normal is, in a, in a sort of, what, what did they used to be like in China? Well, they always looked relatively small when you saw it on the telly. They weren't certainly nothing like that. Um, I'm not sure I haven't got any figures or anything, but they always looked a bit disappointing because the, the ticket prices are always reportedly very, very high, whereas these ones in Hong Kong I don't think were at all. Um, so, what, yeah. What, made, what gave them the confidence that they could sell out 9,000-seat stadium? Because what if it had been like 100 people turned up? They must have <laughs> known that it would... Why? Well, all I can, you know, very anecdotal, but having been to the, the Chinese mainland and having to being Hong, been to Hong Kong, I think there is kind of a, a difference in terms of putting on big events. And I guess the pandemic was a factor, not having events for a long time was a factor. Uh, it is kind of a sports mad place. It's a place for the normal population. I think all these things. I mean, the gap must have been a factor, mustn't it? The fact there's been no oh, yeah. events there for a while. It's the first one in any sports. It? I mean, it, it must be that must be some reason for the thirst. Put it this way: I'm not sure if you get that many uh, every time they put it on, type thing. It must have been a sort of a pandemic factor. I think so. Yeah, because it was the first. Yeah, as you say, of any sport to be back there since COVID happened. So um, that would have helped. Yeah, I mean. The previous world record was set in that tournament, wasn't it, for, in a different stadium, the Queen Elizabeth uh, Stadium. So they knew the passion was there. That was three thousand. No, this is triple it. So it's good. it's fair enough to ask out if they were confident about doing that. But yeah, I think I think the gap, how long they've been starved of going to see anything, um, and clearly they're well aware that they like snooker. Got the two national heroes there and six, the top six players in the world. So. Um, must have been a gamble to an yeah. extent. Though, there were quite a lot of kids in the crowd as well. Mm. I say it was like it wasn't just a certain demographic. It was, it was, you know, quite varied, quite pleasing to see mm. little kids getting really excited about stuff. So yeah, I just thought it was incredible. It reminded me of um, I've been to see a few like, um, world title fights in um, in Vegas. And, and yeah. Sometimes you're up in the gods. It reminded me of that. Just instead of a boxing ring, you had a snooker table yeah. down there. I thought they had this big screens around the table that reminded me of a boxing match yeah. or a wrestling match or something. But I did hear good reports that the view from the top was still good. Okay. Um, anecdotal again, hopefully someone can let us know if there are any problems. Um, obviously you're a long, long way away and you probably are looking at the screen, but at least you're sort of above it and have got a, a good view of the top of the table almost. Um, but yeah, it was... As you said, we literally haven't seen anything like that before, so it, is, it was amazing. Phil, I'm going to test your knowledge of the podcast. When else, only once as far as I can think, did we move during an episode? No, I think it was the first outside one in Sheffield when it started raining. It is. 
but it's going to be two. I'll tell you why, folks. We've made a strategic mistake here, slightly, of, 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 and this is a beautiful venue to talk in. We're very close to the chaps playing the fruit machine. So I think we're going to move to a different table where I think it's going to be quieter. Now, it would have been sensible to do that to begin with, of course, but never mind. And Dave Tindall's pointing to an even better seat here next to the window and we can carry on talking over here i think it's going to be a little bit quieter to be fair the chats weren't making much noise but it was distracting me quite a lot we can talk more about hong kong here yeah, so they the... didn't hit the jackpot did they <laughs> <laughs> they were filling it with coins but no luck but awesome. carry on day two more goodbyes than frank sinatra here you're, you're still with us and yes and uh, another one sinatra <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, talk, talk more about how you enjoyed Hong Kong. Yeah, well, I, I absolutely loved it. One thing I was going to ask, though, um, was was it kind of a was it a window to the future? Because people will look at that, I think, and think, well, why can't the World Championship go there? Look at the crowds. Why can't we, you know, snooker wants to cash in and be more global? And I don't know. I know this, it's huge, isn't it? That, that should should snooker ever leave the crucible but it was almost like well if it's if it's gonna leave and you don't have to imagine what it could be like because we saw what it could be mm. like because people could say well i'll never fill that many but if you've actively had a tournament where nine thousand people have turned up it's kind of i don't know it's ammunition if that's the right word but it gives people a chance to say well look it could work somewhere else yeah i mean when i think it was judd that was talking about wanting bigger crowds, sort of crowds of three or four thousand and there was a lot of chat about well that would be about as much as you could possibly have and, and no more than that and then it's been proved that you can very successfully have one uh, twice as much as that um so yeah it certainly you know it adds fuel to the fire of that um debate doesn't it um again i think people have said the world championship doesn't have to be the biggest one uh, i think judd himself tweeted during the tournament that it'd be a great spot for the tour championship um, certainly, having watched this over the weekend, we want that tournament back that's just been played, and it would be mad not to try and do more tournaments over there. Um, but yeah, whether it's the World Championship, yeah, we've always said on here we don't want it to leave Sheffield, but um, certainly, if people who were pushing for it, like you say, ammunition is probably the right word, um, it's a great argument for it. Um, you know, nine times the size, really, isn't it? So, We'll see. Um, but yeah, obviously we want to get back there as soon as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, leaving aside whether a big t- tournament sh- should switch there, my, my sort of feeling is, uh, and I've, we sort of hinted it in recent weeks, I'm not sure how much longer we can carry on with this um, tournaments in leisure centres, tournament in municipal buildings where they're sort of hardly anyone there midweek, oh, that just happens in snooker. I just think we need to get into a mindset we need to maybe sell it better. I don't know quite how, how that happens. We are a bit hamstrung at the moment. Lots of tournaments in the UK. It's a very UK-dominated sport, isn't it? It will feel better, I think, when there are more events back in China, maybe elsewhere as well. But I just think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a come down, isn't it? And then I just think, it, it's almost like, like, I was really taken by people, and not just people that don't follow snooker much, but people that really follow it. So, I didn't know it could be like this. Mm. And these are experienced people that love the game and watch it week in, week out. They, they, they didn't realise it could be quite like this. And I think, you know, we're all taking a bit of that view, aren't we? We were like a gob, and none of us were, were there. And I was very pleased for the people that did get in contact that were, and any of you that out, out there that 
were there, please do contact us at talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. But the, the people we did hear from were just saying it was just marvellous. And you did get a view of the table, surprisingly, even if you were near the back. And that was always the concern, wasn't it? Maybe not the best view in the world, but there was some kind of view. And I just think, yeah, you look at it now and... Uh, I mean, we were joking, haven't we? The chaps here were talking about Canuck, and that's mm. qualified. It's a pretty unfair one, but MK, and you know, it's not easy to find the perfect venue. But what I'm saying is, Phil, Brentwood at Christmas will be a long way from the Hong Kong Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, and I think that we we always say when we talk about this kind of stuff, it's obviously harder than easier said than done to put on these events at amazing places. But it certainly shows that there should be no lack of ambition when looking for somewhere to host tournaments because if we can do something like has just happened in Hong Kong we should try and repeat it elsewhere uh, and even if it's not as big as that you know even half as big as that's still huge um, so yeah as you say when you return to I mean literally on Sunday after the Hong Kong final I flicked over to watch the, the qualifiers in Canuck and it couldn't be more different and uh, Obviously, obviously, not everything can be the Hong Kong Coliseum, and you know the answer isn't just stick everything in Hong Kong because you know the novelty of that would wear off for those guys over there. Um, but yeah, hopefully, it'll encourage people, encourage pro- you know people in world snooker uh, to go go big, and also encourage promoters who can come to the sport with the knowledge that that's just happened, and say, wow, I could fill out all these arenas that you never even considered for snooker because they've seen it done so there's money to be made in snooker which is what you want people to see who could get involved in the game and uh, you know we spoke about this when it was uh, when it was created well returned to the calendar and you know an awful lot of players on the tour would have been a bit down on it because they've not been playing much and uh, it's big money for a very small amount of players but you Hope you could see very clearly how this could be amazing for the sport as a whole, and not even in the long, long term. As I say, you could see people seeing that and wanting to get involved in snooker, wanting to put on events. So, it all seemed very positive, and hopefully, you know, it'll lead to lots more big things. I'll tell you what, one little funny anecdote I've got. Um, so, I watched it all at home basically. Um, it was just great that the timings worked quite well for me, and just mm. wake up and watch snooker. That's yeah. cool, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think I was watching the midday session and my daughter was just sort of walking in and out every so often and she, she said to me at one point God, they, they play banging tunes at the snooker, don't they? <laughs> I went, they do? They, you're dead right They were playing, it was the DJ whoever did the music there, they were spot on, didn't he? playing all sorts of, I don't know if you'll quite agree, Phil but no, <laughs> they play your, your walk-on crucible music but, <laughs> no. but um, no, he seemed to just play some good stuff, didn't it? Quite eclectic and it... Um, just added to it I think the kids in the crowd is oh, that's good isn't it it's just another little thing isn't it to to make it a little bit more attractive yeah I mean the atmosphere seemed great um, obviously cheering at every shot almost and loving obviously the 147 we've not really spoken about the actual stinker much ever but yeah it was it did seem a very sort of friendly uh, jovial atmosphere and they were all really into it as well apart from the bloke who got kicked out during one match yeah that was odd wasn't <laughs> it that was yeah, a bit odd but, do we know what he was shouting no, about no we don't really um, no I heard that it was a I won't repeat it on here but quite a heavy insult in <laughs> in the local language but I'm not sure why it uh, kicked off but yeah other than that great <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's it, when you were tuning in, it wasn't like, oh, it's a big crowd. It didn't sound that much different. It just sounded different from the word go. Those cheers were just electric. It was just like, wow. It was such a din about it. Yeah, you're right for Ram thought much about the snooker. Yeah, that was bloody good. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, the snooker was a bit half-baked. It was terrific action from the word go, really. Kicking off on, on Thursday with the quarterfinals and Marco Fu beating Mark Selby at 5-2. Uh, three half centuries from Marco in that. Played really well. And how lovely to see him back. Abigail Davies, who we'll talk a little bit more about later, was saying how much she enjoyed watching Marco play. I think so many of us do. He's such an elegance about him. Delightful player to watch. And he said very clearly, Phil, he thought days like this might have been gone for him. First after the eye surgery, and then certainly during the pandemic. But seeing him back and playing well was one, I say, of many highlights. It might have even been the top highlight. It was brilliant to see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, When he dropped, he dropped off tour because he couldn't come and play and... I'm not sure how early he was sort of notified that he would get his his tour card, um, invitational tour card. But he, I think he generally thought he was he was finished. So uh, to get these opportunities is amazing, and clearly proved that he still can compete with not just on tour but with the very best. So uh, uh, yeah, his eye surgery as well, and there's, he's had all sorts of things to overcome. But hopefully this will be a big spur for him because clearly he's good enough to be right at the top of the game. Uh, he just needs to get some consistency back, I suppose. But yeah, that was. Lovely to see. I wouldn't say he's much of an emotional guy, so it's showing his emotions too much, but you could tell it meant a huge amount to him, even if he wasn't quite shedding tears or anything like that. I mean, you're, you're a good wordsman, aren't you, obviously, Nick? But elegant is the perfect word, isn't it, for Marco Fu? Just the way he walks around mm. and the way he looks, the way he hits the ball, just something really nice about him. I, I, I used to have a really good friend um, from Hong Kong, uh, I've known for a long time. I used to back him in the World Championship every year without fail because his <laughs> mum wanted to back him. I mean, what did he get to the semis three times, twice, three times? One of those, yeah. yeah. Not sure. Uh, but but yeah, you sort of forget how how good he could be. Uh, but it was lovely to see him, wasn't it, to play that well on that stage mm. um, rather than just how well we've yeah we're going to east from Hong Kong market. We'll, we'll get him get involved, but to, to play to that level. And the one four seven, oh my word! Yeah, it was my so word. perfect, wasn't it? Because he'd not been ahead in that whole game. They talk about the semi against John Higgins now, but Higgins was a clear favourite for that and looked like he was sort of bossing it for most of it. But Marco scrapped away and then couldn't get couldn't get a better thing than that in front of the home crowd. You know, the the reaction to that was incredible, and John's reaction was amazing as well. <laughs> he obviously took yeah. it um, on the chin and uh, congratulated warmly and said afterwards that you know. He, Obviously, wanted to win, but it couldn't couldn't have scarcely been a better way to lose than that. No, you're absolutely right. And yeah, it's funny. Just going back to Marco, if you see him backstage at an event or anywhere, that elegance extends into sort of everything he does. He's so immaculate the way he talks to people, the way. And you know, just as someone like me, my whole life's a bit like John Cleese in Clockwise. You know, it's running after the train, coffee spilling everywhere, absolute <laughs> shambles. So I can only be jealous of people like Marco. He lives in this kind of parallel universe, someone like me. So it's always interesting to see that. But he is a, a, a delight to, to see on, on and off the table. The other quarterfinals, we should say, John Higgins five, Judd Trump four. You, you, you almost say thank God for Higgins that he did it, Phil, because that's another one gone against him in the last frame you'd have felt for him really he keeps losing his close ones and he did break down at one stage and yeah. the decider Judd got in and he thought oh no but he did it and that's I think really big for Higgins confidence definitely yeah he was sort of, he'd got to the decider and then he, he was 50 odd ahead in the side maybe more and Judd 
actually had a decent chance and I thought if Judd clears up and wins 65, 64 or whatever it was I think I, I would have feared for Higgins mentally over the season to come so it was very important for him to get over the line there and you know losing in the semi you know he, he should have you know on form on over the last few years should have beaten Margot Fu but um, certainly that win over Judd would have been big for him because he'd lost he lost seven on the spin in you know on the announced head-to-heads on TV it's always less because they get rid of the Championship League, but I think it was seven. They, they were saying seven, but it's actually ten overall on the spin to Judd, which you know Judd's amazing, obviously, but so is Higgins. So you wouldn't expect anyone to beat him ten times in a row. So that was big for him. And yeah, as I said, he took, te- took that semi-final well because it was such a perfect moment for Marco. Um, so yeah, maybe that now maybe that win over Judd will be quite big for him, and certainly avoiding another painful defeat is quite big for him. I think. Yeah. Um... As you say, to, if, say he'd been sixty-five in front, and someone had Higgins him and mm. and cleared up uh, with a sixty-eight or something, he would have thought another one's gone. But you can't help but be quite happy, can't you? Yeah. I, I know maybe it's not quite as put it in, in terms of your match. I mean, were you happy for Phil to win? <laughs> I'm a bit happier now. I'm a bit yeah. happier now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're yeah. always more sporting in time. There mm. wasn't quite that radiance that Higgins had when Marco Fu beat him with a one four seven. He looked a bit more gutted, I think. There were people that would have been far worse to lose yeah. to. I have to say that. But uh, I, I imagine, I mean, you've I don't want to labour the point, but so you've, you've so you've lost twice in this Tony Mio Trophy. Yeah. So so if that became five and six. Oh, it'd he, be. It would be a huge psychological You know, it would be like Higgins oh, losing in finals, won't it? It's starting to mm. play on your mind. Well, put it this way, Phil. Um, <laughs> I will be asking you for Chris Henry's mobile at some stage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have it. I think you probably do. You have everyone's, no, you have, you have everyone's mobile list, Luke. What am I even saying? So he, he, might, he, might, he might have to be receiving a call from me at some stage, you know, maybe squeezing 10 minutes here and there when I'm at a tournament. Anything will be an advantage. Everyone talks about their Zoom sessions with Chris Henry, so squeeze one of them in, because he lives in Belgium, so have a, yeah, it might, might be the way forward. Who knows? He, does, he works wonders. Well, we haven't mentioned a big news story yet, have we, of course, which is Zhao Tong having to pull out, mm. testing positive for COVID, which was a genuine shame. He really is a marvellous talent. He'd have been great to see there. So we had the slightly ludicrous spectacle of Mark Williams making a dash. Well, I think we all thought he'd go the night before, but oh no, he went the actual night before his match. So he had about, what, two, three hours there, and pure, pure Williams, one, three, three in the open. I mean, heavens above. But he lost five, three to, to Neil Robertson. Anyone else would have sort of, you know, put a bit of nice PR on it. But he was like, no, didn't think I'd win. And essentially, almost turned up for the money. Well, yeah, twenty-two and a half grand. I think anyone would have been on that flight. Uh, no notice to go and lose to Leo Robertson. And I mean, yeah, he nearly did win. Really, it was very impressive. Um, but yeah, it, it was sort of very unfortunate situation, wasn't it? Because Jao had been there, and he was even doing some of the sort of the press stuff. There were some Instagram photos of him knocking around, talking to journalists, and hanging around in the arena, and. Uh, yeah, him against Robertson, I was really looking forward to because I looked at their head to head, they've only played once, and Joe whitewashed Robertson in one of the Home Nations events. So that would have been an interesting one. But yeah, that, that Williams story became one of the, the stories of the tournament. I really enjoyed it, just sort of following his. <laughs> did, it, did it cross your mind that he, he might actually do like a, a, a Denmark 92? Certainly, when he knocked his that break in the first, first well, frame. Steve Maguire, he did that, yeah. didn't he? Just turned yeah, up. Yeah. 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 
and Ali Kahn's Ali Kahn's got to the final yeah. of the Masters. Yeah, just that, that, it's, it's a complete bonus to be playing. Yeah. You play with a free arm, and suddenly you know you've nothing to lose. Yeah. And it did seem if you would think if that would suit anyone, Williams would be the kind of guy yeah. to handle that psychologically. But yeah, Neil Robertson on no sleep is is a difficult task. But yeah, I mean he made a brilliant effort. But and I, I did think maybe he might make the most of it and stay out in Hong Kong for a bit. But he was back on a flight back the next day as well. It was literally like a day trip to Asia. It was quite incredible. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. In a way, you almost think only he could do it. As you say, I'm sure a lot of people would have got on that plane but yeah it, 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 it sort of felt a, a person appropriate with him I think the other quarter final of Ronnie O'Sullivan 5 on ye nil I mean on ye didn't do much wrong there Phil but 72 100 59 81 and, and 95 I think he'd have beaten most players 5 nil wouldn't he yeah she, she, had, she had chances in the first frame she might have been disappointed with that one but then after that yeah not really yeah I mean he O'Sullivan was a clear favourite of that. On you, at least, was, was enjoying it. She came out, she was sort of cupping her ear to the crowd and stuff, having a great time. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see her play. But yeah, Ronnie was uh, playing very well. So I don't think she would have been too disappointed to lose. You, I mean, you love a lot of players, Dave, but you, you absolutely adore O'Sullivan, oh, don't you? Yeah, just... I know. It's so do lots of people. But yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, it's, it's like. I don't know. The, the two things that ups, upset me most sporting wise are when Brazil get knocked out of the World Cup football and when Ronnie goes out of the World Championships. I'm distraught. It's just, it's just oh no, I feel that's so bad. So, yeah, I did, I did think it was um, significant. I, w- I wish I'd acted on it, but I thought Ronnie will love this playing in front of this crowd. You know, having contrast that with Milton Keynes with nobody there and he's not really bothered mm-hmm. as much I just thought this will get his juices flowing I know he's probably got a favourable draw to begin with but then to run up against Robertson well, that was what was he 4-1 down yeah and Robertson he reeled off three five. centuries on yeah. the spin yeah. so yeah you always thought that kind of show off element that kind of you know will he'll love this yeah and it was great to see him play so well um, and obviously go on and win it but yeah, because um, he's so adored out there as well, isn't he? Mm. So in so many ways, it was the perfect tournament, wasn't it? You got Marco for one four seven. You got the Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie yeah. goes and wins it. It's just like the yeah. perfect outcome. It was yeah. on so many levels. But yeah, no, I'm a, a massive Ronnie O'Sullivan fan. I, I like your comparison to Brazil. There, the two individuals I always think that are on that kind of level. Uh, Lionel Messi in football and, and Roger Federer who's just retired of course in tennis I think there's almost that artistry there's almost like that utterly beguiling otherworldly almost almost sort of alien they're that, they're that amazing at sport but also the Brazil's quite good also I think the All Blacks a little bit New Zealand in yeah, rugby they have that yeah. kind of I want to say again gravitas that's true I'm allowed to I think. of course yeah um, and I think that, that they almost have that level there is something about them and in a way it really wasn't, you sort of hinted it there, it sort of wasn't surprising that Ronnie did well in that kind of environment. It would have been a surprise if he, I mean, he had your on Yeats, obviously a heavy favourite in that, but I think whoever he'd have played, you'd been surprised he lost early because he's such a big occasion kind of person, isn't he? 100%, yeah, you're right, Dave, what you're saying there. It's the opposite of when he turned up. Um, who did it, was it the British Open he lost to us and back in the first round? He didn't look yeah. like he was really up for it. He certainly wasn't knuckling down. Uh, quite as much as you'd hope um, and this was the opposite of that wasn't it um, and played brilliantly most people going forward down to Robertson when Robertson's that form would have folded a bit um, but Ronnie really dug in played really well um, and 
he didn't blitz him off Robertson back off the table, but um, he battled hard through those frames and uh, just the way he speaks when he's over there, he, he was in full professional mode, wasn't he? He spoke sort of perfectly in the most respectful way and big up the tournament, big up all the other players. Everything about it was just, uh, he was in full professionalism mode, which, you know, he's very hard to beat when he's on it like that. When, it, when he'd won and he got interviewed, you, you could see him, I was trying to lip read what he was saying, you could, you could see him saying, this is the best time that I've ever played. Mm. And I thought, oh, well, there's a good line. And then, but he actually said it <laughs> in a proper, pre- I thought, oh, there's, he stole it. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of, he's not, uh, that's not some big secret now. He's actually said that, but. It's but a yeah, huge he, call though, isn't it? Of all the tournaments he's ever played in, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. But you can, but you can see where he was coming from, mm. can't you? For, oh, definitely. For, 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 for someone like him to to play in front of that crowd it's a perfect stage it really was and not as much as the doubles but I I really had the feeling during it a little bit it's, it's, the event is more important than the results here but, but mm. those events both reminded me a little bit of each other of course the results are important and the fact that Bonnie O'Sullivan won which will come to is, is big and another tournament for him but it just felt like it was almost the all-encompassing crowd, the atmosphere, how special it was, was almost the most important thing of all in, in some ways. The semi-finals, well, we already mentioned it, Marco Fu, John Higgins, five. Marco Fu, six, John Higgins, five. Marco with the, that maximum, in heavens above. I mean, we always say they've got, they've got a certain frisk on, they've got a certain something, but to do it in that, in that atmosphere, Dave, that was something oh, else, wasn't it? Yeah. Um... I mean, he's had quite a few, hasn't he, Marco? I think that was his fifth. Yeah. yeah. So he's one of these guys that you have down as someone who, mm-hmm. you know, on his game, he can knock in a, in a one four seven. Can't imagine doing that. <laughs> but yeah, to, just to do it, you, you know, you've got, you can go two ways, can't you? The crowd could put you under pressure, or you could totally be inspired by them. Mm-hmm. And it was certainly the latter with him. Yeah, I, I thought Higgins would run out. Maybe was it best of eleven at the semis? Yeah. I thought he might six two, six three. Mm-hmm. But he hung in there, and then he almost faked that he, he should yeah. do that in the decider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I a think time was, to do it! Does he made over? Five, I think they were saying he's made over five hundred centuries in his career, Marco. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows he's a top player, but I don't think he's sort of held in quite the regard that something like that suggests. I suppose he's won what three or four ranking tournaments, which is good, but not sort of in the elite round. But you know, over five hundred centuries, very very few people have done that, and uh, obviously is. Brilliance and the pressure there is probably wise. How old is he there. now? 44. He's yeah, not finished by any yeah, stretch. Yeah. Not these days, certainly not. And the other semi-final, Ronnie O'Sullivan 6, Neil Robertson 4. Funny sort of match, really. Robertson with three centuries in a row to go 4-1 up. And he, he really fancied him quite strongly then, I think. O'Sullivan winning five in a row, breaks of 93, 105, 104 and 52. And... Well, not, not many do that to Robertson, Phil. No, not at all. I, mean, I, I don't know what the odds would have been with Robertson four one up after making three tons on the spin. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously sort of fell away a bit. Ronnie even said that afterwards. He thought he said sometimes it can feel too easy and your concentration slips a bit, which is uh, it's hard to imagine that happening in a sort of big semi final against Ronnie. But it must have done because he, he did his standard did drop and Ronnie capitalised. But. Um, yeah, it looked like Neil was going to blitz that, and he's only that's only his second tournament of the, of the season, and it sort of looked at one point he's just going to start racking. He's up, he looks unbeatable, but um, yeah, credit to us. As I said, full professional mode, dug in there, battled hard, and got over the line. Didn't Ronnie say um, Robertson was the better player? I know he says that all the time, but he, yeah. he, he did say that didn't yeah. he, afterwards, which I mean was for a stretch, but. He's always very complimentary about yeah. Neil, isn't he? He's yeah, got a nice, yeah. nice, he nice, nice to do action. Yeah. Yeah. 
He does. He's very common. Yeah, he did say that. Almost suggested the best player lost that one. Then in the final, which I didn't see an immense amount, but I certainly saw the end. Uh, you chats would have seen more. Woody Sullivan beat Marco Fu at 6-4. Generally good quality of play. Uh, Sullivan very much in charge, 4-1 and 5-2 up. I watched it towards the end. Fu pitching the eighth frame was really interesting, actually, and then winning the ninth. It did make it interesting, but we have to say, what a clearance. Total clearance of 1-1-4 for Mo Sullivan in the last. I actually remember looking at the table and thinking, knowing Ronnie, he might get a 50 here. He's that good. He'll take control of this frame. He's that bloody good. But to win it, it wasn't in my mind even. He's, he's, that, that was almost, you know, just a classic masterclass of Mo Sullivan, wasn't it? It was unbelievable, yeah. I mean, that was the highlight of the, of the match. Um, and yeah, I think it was, it was... The black was on the cushion, the pink was sort of tied up for almost all of it. I think it was 10 balls of green. Um, and it was just... At, at the time, I was thinking, this is one of the best breaks I've ever seen. And you know, you didn't want to get carried away. And I think, you know, it probably, it probably isn't. I'm just getting a bit excited. But it generally was. It was absolutely amazing. Like, so many of those shots, there was almost no margin for error. He's sort of known for always finishing the right side of the blue. People say that a lot about him. And he kept just doing it. He was just rolling past the blue to get back. Um, but yeah, to make, to clear the table, not using the black and, well, apart from the fire black, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So if you can dig that up on uh, YouTube, on Eurosport Player or something, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Because it, it was, that is, I was still living it, is sort of masterful best. Um, making things look very easy that were very very difficult shot after shot after shot so yeah it was um, as a, like break wise I enjoyed that more than the 147 it was just so difficult but um, it wouldn't get the press that 147 did obviously there was, yeah there was a red way he potted he had to screw back to get back for the blow and there was a tiny gap between two mm. and he just sort of swung it between the two Perfect. Yeah. Think, wow, he's got control there, hasn't he? But yeah, I know what you mean. Cause it, it, it's a fast running table, and at times mm. you think, oh, he's not hit that hard enough, and they would just roll just, just, a, just yeah. the right side of the blue time after time. I mean, yeah. you played more, more snooker the last day. When you're early on a break, your heart must sink a bit when you think the pink and black are out of commission because you think you have to be that accurate, don't you? There's no. And, and, and if you're not accurate the other way, you can't be too straight. You have to be, you know, <laughs> you have to play quite badly the other way. At least you can go in and out of bulk. It yeah. is precision stuff, isn't it? Oh, yeah, just just to have that a couple of inches right side of the blow. I mean, you, yeah, you, you don't have to be that fake. You can manipulate it quite well. He does it brilliantly. Just, if he's just got a tiny bit, he can always manipulate it. I mean, I've seen him screw back and hit the jaw, and so he gets back that way yeah, yeah. before. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... Just it is as Clive Everton would say, genius at work. <laughs> yeah, I think Neil Foles was saying, or was it? It may have been Alan McManus, but saying that O'Sullivan looks, in some ways, as good as he's ever looked. And something that they see, they think he enjoys most now is just solving puzzles on the table, which mm-hmm. he must have liked to an extent all the time. But <laughs> they think that's become whoever won said that looks like that's what he enjoys most on Snooker Table and that was the ultimate solving a puzzle and the route round and how to get back round um, and that's what he does better than anyone else really and yeah it was I loved it it was just so good I, I suppose we shouldn't really say this but the pockets were quite generous yeah we had to come to that I think <laughs> yeah. I nearly mentioned it at the 147 because I think it was the last red of the 147 mm. um, looked like it had missed and yeah, I think throughout the week they looked quite generous. Again, it was Neil Fold saying early on he wouldn't be surprised if there was a 147, which then came to pass. And uh, it's still very difficult, people still missed, but they did look to be uh, making things slightly easier for players, I think it's fair to say. 
And we actually, I must say, we did have a bit of correspondence about that. I'm always a bit wary about talking about pockets. So that, it seems to upset people often in, in the game, I think. But we, have, we do have Russ Barber here who says, really enjoyed the Hong Kong Masters, as I'm sure everyone else has. One small negative, in my opinion, was the rather forgiving pockets. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on what the perfect pocket size would be, <laughs> because it can really change how the game can go. Well, a bit tighter than those, I think, is the yeah. answer. To that. Yeah, I haven't got any figures for measurements there or anything, but yeah, they did. Again, I never want to be too critical at all because quite often people will claim that they're massive and they're, they're not really. But I think when the commentators are openly saying that they are big, that is fair. So probably a bit tighter than that. But I suppose in a tournament like that, if there's ever going to be big ones, then I don't mind it so much there. But yeah, it did. Uh, as I say, you don't want ones where you think well, that's definitely missed. You're almost there was one time I think Higgins I can't remember who was playing but I saw the, the replay and Higgins was halfway back to his chair because he'd missed he thought he'd missed and then had to turn around to come back and play the next shot so you don't really want that happening do you? Yeah I suppose then again do you really want super tight pockets where people just miss I don't know I'm, I'm kind of a, a I do take a lot of enjoyment from watching breaks mm. so people you know, break down on 33 or something just because the the pockets are so tight I'd go oh, I feel a bit short changed but I think as you said Phil for that tournament it felt right if, if suddenly they were the pockets at the crucible you'd think oh hang on yeah. this isn't this isn't right and in fairness what, am I imagining was it the British that were quite tight I felt they were very, they were quite tight at that and they were really unforgiving and a few, a few few that like oh that's definitely in oh it's missed so let's let's balance it out as well as certain wise judges often say we don't maybe talk about the ones that are hard enough. And yeah. that, that's a fair point. And there have been, certainly that one, I think, or maybe two or three others, where they have been tight. I always think the Crucible's quite generous to me. I always think the pocket's there. And I've spoken to various people in the game that think that that's, they're among the most generous there at the Crucible. So that's people that have, that have played there and played there who are else. So, yeah, it's a, it's a quandary. But there's, sometimes you do see some shots you think that's... I mean, I, I think Hendry said, not this one, but one of the tournaments is like a sort of pool table. That sometimes it's a little bit like that on the it's table. It's strange to do certain shots, isn't it? Because, I mean, there's very sort of minutiae that makes things go in or not when, when they should or shouldn't. But, yeah, the same sort of table. You see one where you're not expecting to at all, but then certain pockets, certain pockets on the table play tighter. So, yeah, I mean... I, People like Mark Williams and Neil Robertson have said in general they're a lot, like they play a lot wider now than they did years ago. But other people have disagreed with that. So I think in general it's a bit of a much of a muchness debate. But I think this tournament everyone seemed to agree they were quite big, I not think, so yeah. big. It was like daft. So I don't, I don't want to go too overboard. But they were playing a bit generous. That's I think sure. when you see shots hit the near jaw and you think that's missed, yeah. and then they drop in, you went, oh. Yeah, you sort of slightly being rewarded for a shot that shouldn't have been rewarded. Yeah, um, I, they're the ones I think where people go. Oh, I think if they hit the far jaw and they sort of wobble in a little bit when they're clearly hitting the cushion first. Yeah, a couple of times and they're oh that's gone in. I think that that was that Marco's fifteen yeah. throw was definitely like that. I didn't look in at all, but yeah, I don't think this is like a, something to worry about. I think we'll be back to I'm sure Canucks playing tight enough this week. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> And, and overall, just what a special event it was, you know, what, what a great advert for the game and how lovely it is we're popping into the season now. We talk about Northern Ireland in a moment, that's coming up now starting this Sunday. 
there's none of this sort of long break anymore. This is really the heart of the season. We're, we're in Leeds here, and the, it's already getting dark. The nights are really drawing in now. Snooker weather, and uh, we're really into the heart of the season, Phil. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, it's going to be busy now, right until Christmas. Nice to be back on uh, travelling the world again, not that we were, but seeing people do it, um, seeing a completely different arena, a unique arena for the snooker tour, um, a different carpet, you know, we're talking about they didn't go quite as mad as Turkey, but <laughs> just seeing different things, hearing different sounds, so all that stuff's great, and yeah, busy, busy now, and for the next couple of months until, uh, until the, the Christmas break. Yeah, no, um, hopefully get to a few myself, and hopefully get to York, I guess you guys will be there. I'm not sure about the UK this time. I've got really? a few other things I going think, on. I yeah, you I always went to Europe. I, I do tend yeah. to go, but there's a few. It's quite weird because of the change this time. There's, quite, there's a few, bit of NFL going on that time, but I imagine you'll certainly be there. I'll do. I'll, I'll, be, I'll certainly be doing the qualifiers in Sheffield because they're only around the corner from my house. But yeah. then, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be doing my best to certain days at York. It won't be the whole stint, but I'll be there a bit. Yeah. I think we're, we're quite lucky in the north of England. We've got Bolton's relatively near here. Mm. Uh, is that it's back at Bolton, isn't it? That yeah. Thing? yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got Hull as well, haven't we? Yeah. Coming up. Oh, yeah, the tour. Yeah, of course the it is, yeah. Championship. So, yeah, yeah, we I are. Quite, I feel quite lucky to be based up here yeah. at the moment. It's true. Yeah, because we hear often certain parts of the country really sort of poorly served. So, yeah, we should really make the most of it being up here. Well, you are listening here to Talking Snooker with uh, Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf and our referee, Dave Tyndall. Phil Haig is once again in possession of the Tony Mio Trophy. He has won the big match here, beating me 4-3. And we are now uh, digesting the various snooker matters. And as I say, the season is in full swing now. It's Northern Ireland next. We always enjoy Belfast now, don't we? It's a special stop uh, on the calendar, I don't know if we should maybe go through a, f- a few of the matches. Uh, uh, Phil is. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out if that's okay. Good, of course. Once I do the change of subject, but I've just noticed the time. <laughs> Absolutely Dave, fine. It's been a pleasure having you here. You've been a delight. Thank you very much indeed. Have have a great evening. We'll we'll see you soon. And uh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be at York and maybe a few other tournaments as well. Yeah, hope yeah. Hopefully, uh, see catch up with you again there. But yeah, yeah, great. Great game today. Really enjoyed it. Well played both. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Beautifully reft. <laughs> All the best to you. Dave Tindall, who's a, a regular here at the Northern Snooker Centre, joining us uh, for this episode. And uh, yeah, he really did a, a very good job refereeing. Just to say, Phil, I said this before, there's a few things in life and, you know, whatever it is really you think I'd probably have a go at that I, I couldn't even attempt refereeing yeah. I've said it before the concentration those guys have is mind blowing within about 20 minutes I'd be definitely thinking about what I was going to have for dinner where I was going <laughs> where, what holidays are going to be this year I'd be all over the place yeah I'm saying yeah, I haven't got the mind for it it's very impressive um, concentration is uh, yeah Thanks for it's, uh, it's just not something I could do <laughs> I've got ultimate respect for those guys and officials in a lot of sports because it's I think you've got to have the mind to do it in a, in a range of almost every sport I would say officiating is quite a unique thing so uh, yeah certainly in snooker that's for sure yeah very much so well we are looking forward then uh, to Northern Ireland Open this Sunday and some matches to look forward to uh, just pick a selective few here Kyron Wilson Ken Doherty uh, Kyron's won the, both their matches uh, that haven't been in the Championship League, if you like, um, in the other ranking tournaments, but in the decider both times. So that, that could be an interesting one. Uh, Xiao Xingtong gets Liu Haoshan, uh, with hopefully Xiao Xingtong playing for a class after the disappointment of missing out. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what his situation because he, he, was, he was, had to 
stick around in Hong Kong quarantine, I think. So um, we'll have to find an update on that because uh, he's certainly not withdrawn from that yet. But hopefully he'll be back and fit and raring to go. But we'll, uh, I'll try and find an update before, before that starts. And we've got Yan Bingtao against uh, Liang Wenbo. We've been hearing about Liang Wenbo being in very good form in the qualifiers today, actually. He, he beat Ollie Lyons there. We're just speaking to Peter, and we'll talk about that chat with Peter in a moment, actually, when we come to his match. Uh, Judd Trump, uh, Rod Lawler. First match 16 years ago. Judd doesn't seem that old, does he, Phil? <laughs> no. First match, the 06 Welsh Open. And Lawler's actually had a few wins over, uh, over Trump uh, over the years, but obviously Judd will be the, the big favourite. Uh, Mark Selby against Rhian Evans. T- two protagonists from the mixed doubles doing battle there, Phil. Yeah, it's interesting one. Plenty of world titles on display there. Uh, Rhian's still looking for her first win on tour, so uh, it doesn't get any easier, does it? Mark Selby next for her. But um, uh, he, he looked in... Well, he looked in excellent form at the mix and then at the British, and then I sort of fancied him too very well in Hong Kong, but I think he just struggled with the conditions there and he lost to Mark in the first round. But, um, yeah, uh, big old task for Rhian, I think, for anyone, as it is for anyone facing Selby. Indeed, and uh, well, let's talk about Peter Lyons then. He's uh, got a nice, easy one against Mark Williams. <laughs> but well, unfortunately, uh, we should say, uh, Phil, that Peter's been telling us now he's got a really bad injury. He doesn't quite know how he did it. He said he, he could have just been, you know, slept, slept on his, his arm in a, in a difficult position, but he's really struggling at the moment. He's got a qualifying match against Joe Perry. He's not sure he's going to make that. He hopes to make Belfast. It's all a bit up in the air for him. Yeah, um, a nightmare injury super play. He said he's got a trap nerve in his sort of shoulder, a bit of his acupuncture. Um, but yeah, hopefully, he's hoping it'll be all right for tomorrow um, for the Scottish Open. But um, yeah, definitely hope for, for Belfast because um, that's a big one. Um, everyone wants to be in Belfast. It's one of the highlights of the calendar, I think, for a lot of players. It's a great trip over there. So uh, all the best to him because. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, facing Mark Williams again is difficult at any time especially dealing with an injury so hopefully it's cleared up by then No definitely and we've just been chatting to Peter actually he's been just saying in a way we could never say we're not on the tour illustrating so well how bloody tough it is now mm-hmm. he's saying Ollie Lyons has got beaten by a brilliant performance in the Anwenbo today you know, he's saying there can be weeks between matches now what, what we do hear a lot of pros uh, the sort of sharper end of the rankings if you like say that they don't often feel part of tournaments now it's important to say that these qualifiers now a lot of pros they don't really feel like they're getting into the nitty gritty often of the season unless they go to the venues it, listen it's the way that they've decided to organise tournaments now they, they hold some over don't they for the main arena and it means you know, it's a bit like Feast and Family when we get to the event we're quite blessed as fans we're seeing very very good players a lot of the time and we can have a choice of watching you know, the, all the matches. But for some of those pros that are losing in qualifiers, it, it can almost be a bit of a soulless season at times. Absolutely, yeah. I think the move to move away from everyone going to the, the venue and having qualifiers beforehand, um, we're pretty sure it's you know, to bring in streaming revenue um, for Will Snooker, which is fine, makes sense, but it's certainly not in the players' interest, is it? I think it's sort of there to their detriment, really. You play this um, tournament in a in Canuck weeks before you, you should be going to Edinburgh. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's, it's not great for low-ranked players at all. It's pretty soulless playing in front of a handful of people in a leisure centre when you should be uh, at the venue. Um, so yeah no I don't think the change has gone down well with a lot of the players but it's making money for the tour so hopefully that's a good thing but yeah it's, it's tough and it, yeah in terms of players as far as most players go it's not a positive but um, yeah it's just they've got to deal with it and 
it's, it's one of those situations isn't it? whoever deals with below par situations the best will do very well but yeah uh, not ideal I think is it for a lot of players guess what that was a nice way of saying it it was a nice way of saying it <laughs> we should say of course you know I was saying Peter Lyons about his record and against the big three I thought oh, I might be a draw a draw with one of them he is actually ahead against all three I think Imagine. if you count the championship league which is ludicrous it, you know he he's got a winning record against Williams first meeting at the 98 Scottish Open so if the match does go ahead and it's still a fair bit of time between now and this Sunday so you hope it will you know he's got he's got that to defend which is sort of barking mad it's not an awful lot of matches of course Dave Tyndall's back everybody he's left his cue behind <laughs> goodbye <laughs> try again <laughs> brilliant <laughs> what were we saying <laughs> Lyons, well, it, Peter Lyons yeah, amazing record yeah I mean he won't be holding any fears again playing Mark Williams he uh, yeah, got a great history against the top boys so yeah he certainly bottles not the problem absolutely not and uh, well we have another match of interest Barry Hawkins against Anthony Hamilton and uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan against Lucas Kleckers they played in the Welsh Open earlier this year actually Ronnie winning it at 4-2 so lots of good matches to come on this Sunday Phil and uh, we, we look forward to seeing a lot, an awful lot of stars. As I say, that's, that's the thing about the held-over matches. If you've got a ticket for that first day, and it, we, do, we know it does tend to sell quite well in, in Belfast, you're sort of rubbing your hands. You're not seeing one or two stars. You're seeing about ten. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Those for opening stages, which should, again, that's a benefit, should be a benefit for the tournament and World Snooker. The t- tickets should be good on the opening days, which they wouldn't necessarily be before, because you guarantee all, all the top names, really. Um, it's a slightly different isn't it because it's on the Sunday and then so we've got some of the top 16 on the Monday I know Lasowski's playing then John Higgins against Fergal O'Brien's a good one isn't it um, and then yeah I think that's all that's all the top 16 that I'm just on the World Snooker page here that one of the Tuesday ones to look out for Dave Gilbert against Knopp and Sandcam. that's a very interesting early round game there isn't it I want to do one of the guests of the year Love Phil it. like it you do. <laughs> your face doesn't suggest you like it but <laughs> you mention it John Higgins, Fergal O'Brien, have a go. 1995. It was eight, and I think that it was, I would have thought it was a bit earlier. First meeting in 98, if I looked it up correctly, there's every chance I didn't. No, I think I did. <laughs> Fergal beat John Higgins, of course, famously in the semi final of the British Open that really talks about in Plymouth in 99. That was massive for him before mm. he beat Hamilton in the final. So a lot of history there. They've been on the tour an awful long time. So we look forward to that one, and uh, well, it's always nice seeing Fergal, isn't it? Yeah, and he'll get it's nice to see him get some. Hopefully, he'll get some TV exposure there on the table there uh, on the main table. Uh, not guaranteed. I'll have to check that, but he's, you know he's stuck down the back tables a lot, isn't he? And it'd be nice for him to get a bit of shine because you know he's brought so much to the sport over the years. Um, he's not sure how much he's had left. He said that to us when he came on the pod, which. Is, um, we had a lot of interviews over the summer. That was one of the one of the standout ones, and he was excellent, Fergal. So, um, yeah, that should be a great match. Um, John coming off a bit disappointed in Hong Kong, but as we said, he'll be pleased with that win over Joe. So that'd be interesting. But yeah, should be uh, another good one in in Belfast because last year was very very memorable, there, wasn't it? Oh, with Mark Allen winning heavens above. That's the thing about it. I've said before a few times now that. I think it's sold in a march that's got that regular venue. Had that one the first year, it didn't really work. The Titanic Centre, wasn't yeah. it? But now where they are, it's pretty... But not only that, the finals tend to always deliver. We have the great Mark King story, then loads of judges against Ronnie, yeah. the same scoreline every time. 9-7, wasn't it? I think 3, wasn't it? Yeah. And then last year, Mark Allen. So 
it, it's giving us Hollywood type stories all the time, yeah. isn't it? This event. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those. <laughs> that's it's remarkable, isn't it? Those three same players in the final, same score scoreline. It's. Um, I don't know what the odds on that would be. Absolutely enormous. But yeah, um, I don't know how much that is down to the to the set venue, but it certainly seems to help. And uh, the atmosphere last year of uh, Alan against Higgins was absolutely amazing. Looks brilliant when it's full on the, in the final night. So. Yeah, it's a great tournament. As I say, it's one that definitely all the players want to go to qualify and get their get their place in Belfast. Absolutely, and you, you already mentioned some of those matches coming up next Monday and next Tuesday. Jordan Brown, Tep Chio is another one that I've got mm. down here. Jasowski against Lee Hang and, and that Higgins Fergal O'Brien game, and then yeah, Dave Gilbert as you said against Nopon Sankan. That's a terrific match to look forward to next Tuesday. Ding Jun Wee in action that day as well against Michael White, and then Jimmy White of who's course, got. Yeah. Luca Bissell or Joe O'Connor that's a match coming up uh, next Tuesday so we, Jimmy is plastered all over this <laughs> this northern snooker centre as you might imagine one of the great heroes and he'll be playing the, in Belfast and he might get a bit of support I'm sure he will yeah <laughs> um, yeah I can't remember who did he beat in qualifying I can't remember it was a very good win he had in qualifying um, to get there and uh, yeah tricky match with it's Luca against Joe but yeah he'll, uh, that'll be one to save uh, you, Again, with this qualifying situation, he doesn't get to the main venues too often in front of the big crowd, so he'll be absolutely loving that, and I'm sure they'll be loving it too. Yeah, Nick's just brought it up. Oh, you answered He had a great win because you has been playing really well this season, beat, uh, beat him in a decider. So, yeah, that's going to be a, a bit of a spectacle, I think. And uh, if it's Luca that comes through, I think that's a real nice match. Um, he'll be enjoying it as well. So, uh, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Very much so, and we really look forward to the Northern Ireland Open. Enjoy, enjoy the tournament. Live, live on Eurosport. I presume it will be Quest on free to air. I haven't heard it otherwise. That's normally the arrangement, isn't it? And as we always say, Phil, we like to pass the buck, don't we? Check WST <laughs> yeah. for everything else. We don't like, we don't like to commit on that one. So if you're watching internationally, no doubt they'll have the details on, on their website. But uh, yeah, Northern Ireland, really good event in the season. I think we always look forward to it, and uh, and this this will be no exception. Phil, we we, we must thank. Abigail Davis for mm-hmm. coming on last week we have an email which we're going to come to in a moment which was uh, a lovely way of summing it up I think people were very moved by Abigail genuinely not only was she uh, great and fascinating about the game which we knew she would be but very open about some of uh, her own struggles in life and you know I'm sure she still faces them now and people finding them inspiring moving and I think as we both were as well yeah, honoured that she would come on and, and be so open about her life she was a really a very very special guest yeah absolutely she was super obviously about the snooker which she knew she would be but then uh, as you say talking to us very sort of openly about her life and how she her career as well and how it's all come together and uh, yeah she, uh, she's got an awful lot of fans anyway and I think anyone listening to that would have if they weren't already would have become a fan of hers so yeah that she was uh, she was excellent and uh, hopefully we'll see her again soon at the tournament and uh, uh, wish her well again because I think everyone uh, would be Team Davies after that I think is that's fair to say yeah that's right um, Jonathan Ford here on email sums it up very nicely he says hello to you Nick and Phil please pass on my thanks to your guest someone's finding something very funny in the background Phil. I don't know <laughs> I think it's this but yeah <laughs> I hope it's not us two um, Jonathan Ford please pass on my thanks to your guest on the recent podcast Abigail Davis Listening to the episode brought the odd tear to my eye. Such a powerful and honest personal testimony, openly discussing her struggles with her mental health and eating disorder. 
as she tried to forge her broadcast career. What a fine example of a human being. So measured, dignified and thoughtful throughout. A great example to all those young people trying to find their way in life. Her reactions about her struggles in life and her burgeoning career made it okay not to always feel okay. I really do wish all the best to Abby in all she does, both personally and professionally. She absolutely deserves every last piece of success. Keep up the great pod chats. Jonathan, very nice way of summing it up. That. I think we had other people as well. Many, many of them on Twitter saying they found it very moving, had tears in their eyes and say she was so open. And um, I think in the, in the annals of this podcast, that's always an episode that we'll remember with great fondness. Absolutely, yeah. I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying it was their favourite episode so far. And, uh, yeah, it was unique in those ways, definitely. And, uh, yeah, incredible stuff from Abby. She's, I've heard her speak about those things before and she's always very good about it. So, um, yeah, testament to her. And uh, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Cause, uh, and also not just enjoyed it. Enjoy seems like the wrong word with things like that, doesn't it? Um, took something out of it and, uh, yeah, hopefully it helps some people as well because I think that's why she wants to be so open about it as well so people can get something out of it in their own lives. So, yeah, thank you so much to Abby. And uh, hopefully we'll have her back on again another time. Indeed, we've got so many we need to invite back, Phil. Perhaps yeah. we'll, we'll do a special one day. We'll get a lot of them together. We'd a like squad, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll leave the other correspondents. It's been quite long, hasn't it? We've got some lovely other correspondents in. We'll do, we'll do those uh, next time, I think. Unless you've got anything particular, Phil. I think we'll go to any other business. Have you got anything much, much more to say? No, I think... I don't know if we, we had some tweets about it. I don't think we mentioned it in Hong Kong. Just the fact that it was on Eurosport Player over the weekend when it wasn't on the main channel. I know so a lot of people were disappointed about that. Um, we're not decision-makers at Eurosport. If we were, of course, it would be on the main channel. They've got a lot of commitments, haven't they? And if it wasn't snooker fans disappointed, it would be cycling fans or what else they had on. But... Of course, it is disappointing because the Eurosport player is an extra cost on top of already paying for a package that has Eurosport. So, yeah, it, when times are tough as they are, it's not great um, having to pay extra to watch something on your laptop, is it? But um, so we certainly f- feel everyone's frustrations. Um, but Eurosport is such an excellent service most of the year round. You don't want to complain too much, but yeah, we get that people are disappointed about stuff like that, don't we? No, you really summed it up well. Uh, I'm generally loath to be too critical of broadcasters I think are, are generally brilliant servants uh, to, to snooker. What I will say is there have been times when I think people have not been very balanced about it, i.e. when it's up against a grandstand tennis final, say from Australia or you know Paris-Roubaix or one of the brilliant, genuinely high-profile cycling events. I think as a general sports journalist, I, I wasn't convinced this weekend of, the, of always of the editorial merits of what they were showing I felt there perhaps could have been a bit more place for live snooker but it is nuanced and uh, you know it's a commercial operation and they want to push people to to, to, to the streaming services don't they to, to boost the coffers there but I know, I, know, I know they have upset quite a lot of snooker fans which again I think sometimes if I'm honest is a little bit irrational because actually the amount of snooker we see on television is extraordinary. It really is, you know, for, 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 for a sport like we are, a sport we love, a sport we're very proud of, but uh, you'd say a sport of a certain size, we have an extraordinary um, television profile generally, week in, week out, when tournaments are on. So that's got to be remembered, the big picture. But that doesn't mean we can't criticise at times. And I know people would have thought, wait a sec, world record crowd, 9,000 people, you know, Ronnie O'Sullivan against, you know, big local... Hero Marco Fu, 
if that isn't worthy of, of, of more high profile, then sort of what is type thing. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we're all biased doing this podcast or listening to the people listening are, but um, yeah, it does seem it is disappointing. And it's also it's sort of made that clear before. And I know a lot of people that we heard from were tuning in on Saturday and Sunday expecting it to be there and not being able to you know they set aside set aside a couple of hours on their Saturday afternoon to sit down and watch it and weren't able to so I, I certainly understand the frustrations then you say like you know it was the Saturday Ronnie against Neil as well you know that seems like something that should be on the telly but yeah of course there's decisions to be made and um yeah as I said Eurosport gives so many hours to the game it's hard to be too critical but Certainly frustrating, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, indeed. And uh, <coughs> you're right to bring that up. And, uh, well, let's remind you that we've got an Alex Higgins special next week with the journalist John Skilbeck. We really look forward to that. Uh, John's writing a book about uh, Higgins' 1982 world title win. So we, 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 um, we really look forward to welcoming him to the podcast. And we'll talk about one of the, the truly extraordinary characters in the whole history of this sport. Keep your thoughts coming to us, of course, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. One kind of, um, see, very serious and very sad boy that I just wanted to sort of bring up before we went, Phil. We, we, we're talking about the pictures on the wall here and some of them are very funny. We, we talked about that, of course, you know, Bill Maynard, and we get a lot of humour out of them, some absolute wonderful greats. But very poignant to see Paul Hunter here. And within the last couple of days, it's been 16 years, can you believe it, uh, until Paul left us far too young. Of course, this was his, his home city in Leeds so it, there's, there's a real sort of poignancy about that and just thinking what a wonderful star he was you know how lucky we were to see him for as long as we did but how we wish we'd have seen him for another 15, 20, 25 years more he was so cruelly taken so young and uh, it's a poignancy I think will always be around in this sport Absolutely yeah. it's, it's, it's not even something that only comes at the anniversary is it? it gets mentioned rightly on a regular basis but the anniversary does bring it back to the forefront and 16 years has been I do know it's been that long, but it's always quite shocking how long it's been now. Um, and he was, you know, you know, if it wasn't so cruel, he would still be playing, still could have been at the top of the game, winning all sorts. So, um, yeah, tremendously sad all the time. And I think as a sport, because um, there's so many people still involved who were close to him, you know, you never hear a bad word said about Paul. So you always get a lot of lovely tributes at that time of the year. So, yeah, poignant's the word. Always so, so sad to think about it. But, um, Hopefully he celebrated, you know, um, what a player he was and what a great guy he was. So, yeah, and hopefully take the positives, but it's, it's tremendously sad whenever you think about Paul. Very much so, and obviously from us and, you know, everyone, rest in peace, Paul, and, uh, you know, be assured, we don't, it needs to almost go without saying that everyone in snooker remembers Paul Hunter with great affection mm. and, uh, you know, a, a great sense of... of love really for, for the brilliance of his play and the character he was and uh, he was such a sort of bright star in this sport and will quite rightly always be remembered Phil I think we're going to shoot off now what am I doing shaking my hands one last time congratulations well done to <laughs> Phil Haig the winner of the Tony Mio trophy I'll be trying to get it back next year I don't want to be a Jimmy just never get my hands on it he's beginning to annoy me I don't want that to be the pattern <laughs> it's two now and uh, well I hope it's third time lucky for me next year we're going to go. I've got a rattler back to London to get. And uh, you're, you're heading back to Sheffield, I presume? Absolutely, yeah. Heading back from west to south Yorkshire. And uh, we've enjoyed our time at the Northern Snooker Centre. Everyone here has been very hospitable. We've enjoyed seeing Peter Lyons. Sorry to miss you, David Grace. We'll know that soon another time if we come up. 
and everyone else that's here has been great. Sean behind the bar, who's probably classed as a, a bit of a character in life, I'd say. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's been very nice, as has everybody here, very welcoming to us. And uh, we'll pop up here again sometime, Phil. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're now going to shoot off, and, and I've got a long journey to, to sort of try not to think about the shots I missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll be back. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's suggested games up here, but having just played a frame a day at the end, uh, uh, we'll think about that because he would beat me. He's been beating me quite easily, I imagine. So, yeah, but uh, no, it's been a pleasure to come here. We, as I said, it's, this place has got mentioned quite regularly on the pod, really. Not as much as Goffs, but not too far behind. Um, and it's thoroughly well deserved. It's a great place. So, if you have uh, anywhere near, Pop in. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening as always. Enjoy Northern Ireland. It's going to be a good week, isn't it? We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll no, no doubt you'll be keeping your readers informed throughout on your social media and uh, on Metro. It's going to be a smashing tournament. Lots of, lots of good matches. And we keep saying it now that the, the days of us filling weeks after weeks with guests and <laughs> that our small talk days are over, Phil. It's action on the table all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's busy, busy. Um, all week we haven't mentioned the Scottish qualifiers coming up this week, but um, so yeah, Canuck, Canuck, and then Belfast. Uh, where uh, I haven't looked at picking a winner or anything. It's that these home nations are so hard to call, aren't they? There's all sorts of contenders. We've mentioned Mark Selby coming back into form. Um, yeah, lots of players looking very good. So yeah, it's going to be a good one. I noticed that the snooker goths that we always enjoy um, following on on social media and George Wayne were among those that go to Canuck. There are some loyal snooker fans, aren't there, Phil, out there? They, they can't get enough of it. Monday morning in Canada. Yeah, it's very, very impressive. Uh, I know George is local to that, but I don't think the snooker goths are, so it's tremendously impressive that they've made the trip um, and hopefully they've got to see some good stuff. Uh, I know it's only a fiver to pop into those qualifiers, so if you are anywhere near, then then do go and have a look. But, um, yeah, um, we'd love to hear from anyone who does go any, any what it's like, because I know not too many people go and see that stuff. So, yeah, any reviews, let us know. Well, we talked about an hour, and we're coming up to an hour and 28. That's all right. 28 more minutes in, in the company of you, Phil. It's time, <laughs> it's time well spent. And we can blame Dave Tindall a bit as well, of course. He's gone now. We can blame him for anything. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I guess it's relatively short for us, isn't it? So not too bad. But yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. All the best, um, and we'll speak to you soon. Uh, all being well next week. The Alex Singing Special with uh, John Skilbeck. And loads of big tournaments to come, Northern Ireland, then hot off the hills after that, we've got the champion of uh, champions and the UK championship, so loads of great snooker coming up. But for now, from here at the Northern Snooker Centre in Leeds, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.